Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. Because, well, sex matters. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy. Welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 79, and it's titled Behind the Scenes of a Sexual Shaman with Kamala Devi. All right, so this is going to be a fun episode because we've personally known our guest for a long time. So that means we should be able to dig in really deep and pry out some good details. <laughs> Things you've never heard before. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so if you have not yet heard of Kamala Devi, um, let us tell you a little bit more about her. So Kamala Devi is a mystic, a mentor, and a muse. Her mission is to awaken herself and others to the ecstatic current that runs between heaven and earth. She works with artists, healers, visionaries around the world to become love leaders. She's been married to her husband, Michael, I think for over 15 years, and uh, they have a teenage son. You might have seen her on the Showtime docuseries Polyamory, Married and Dating, and she's the founder of Tantra Theater. I mean, so many things. She's an author. She's got books and courses, and she's definitely a pioneer in the field of love and, and and an exploration of what it means to be sexually free and, and expressed. So we are really excited to have Kamala Devi today on the show. And before we let her come in, uh, we'll just give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Um, if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then you uh, should go check out Power and Mastery. Power and Mastery is the most complete sexual training for men. So whether you want to have harder erections, last longer in the bedroom, or increase your sexual skills, you'll find it at powerandmastery.com. All right. So here we are. Kamala Devi, welcome to the Love Lab. Hello, Kevin and Celine. It's great to see you both. <clears throat> Happy to be here. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's just dive right in. So, I mean, there's a million things we could talk about because the work that you've done for so many years is so similar to the work that we do and what we do here on this show that there's so many things that we could choose. But specifically, you're here today because you have a new book launching. And so we want to talk a little bit about that. And we want to get into some of the real details about your own story in the book, because the book, which is titled uh, The Secret Lives of Sex Shamans, right? It's actually sex shamans now. We, uh, you, you've known me since the book's been in production for the last three years, but the publisher has changed the title, Sex Shamans, True Stories of Sacred Sexuality and Awakening. All right. All right. So that's awesome. And what I wanted to point out about that is that this is, is a compilation of 20 different stories, at least in the, the version that we saw, of mm -hmm. different people who do similar things to what you do in their experiences doing that work. And so that's a pretty, pretty big collection of people, like 20 different people that all do work around sexual healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's pretty big. So before we kind of dive into that story, um, I want to define for our audience, like what exactly is a sex shaman then? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my first interview on the book because it's, you know, it hasn't even been released yet or will be as soon as this podcast gets released. I'm very delighted to be sharing it with my nearest and dearest first. 
the question about sexual shamanism uh, is, it's a, it's a good question because I feel this is like almost a cutting edge term that's being defined. And the essence of a shaman is someone who works in to, you know, in the invisible world as well as the visible world um, and goes into states of ecstasy in order to divine or heal or channel and brings that uh, wisdom into the material and physical world to affect change. And so a lot of people know shamans who use ayahuasca or use uh, various uh, plant medicines in order to get into that state of ecstasy. A sex shaman uses arrows or um, kundalini or ecstatic erotic energy in order to go into trance and to bring these these visionary healing messages down into the world. Okay, so I know there's probably a, a segment of the audience listening that goes, okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean they have sex with the people they work with or not, right? Like, so just get that over with right from the start. <laughs> right, well, it's not, certainly not what defines a sex shaman. It's, you know, when you ask what the definition is, it's a, um, it, can, it can look a lot of different ways. And so I'm not, you know, the book's not about defining it. It's not about saying, yeah, you know, here's people, a sex shaman does or doesn't sleep with, you know, it's not to say who they sleep with and what the guidelines are and what they actually do. It's to say that it's a practice of going into ecstatic trance and transmitting that healing with, and it could be self-healing or it could be with your beloved or it could be with a group. Um, and that's the purpose of having 20 different stories is to show the wide variety of what that look, could look like. So um, I'm not going to define it and say, you know, this is how it's done or this is what's ethical or this is what's not. Um, but I am going to say that uh, it is emergent. It's kind of this uh, movement that's just at the, at the beginning. So it's pretty exciting to be revealing uh, sexual, sexual, it's like this modern movement now to reveal it today. One thing that I liked in what you expressed was when we start to talk and bring in the term shamanism, a lot of people think about plant medicine or like something from the outside. But here we're really talking about something that we all have within. And that's like what we all come from, sexual energy. And it's how to use, utilize it and change it and how to access it so that we can access different states of consciousness and evolve. And um, that it's something that you can do whether or not you have a sexual partner because you have your own body and you can make love to anything right make love to the world to the earth to the plants to the, everything that exists to yourself um so i love that you're not stuck in one place that you need something from the outside or you need somebody else it's really all about using what you have absolutely and it is you know important to note like there's endogenous and exogenous like medicines um, and this is not about, you know, like we can take other exogenous substances and have it affect our brain chemistry. But I think everybody who's listening has had an experience of like, wow, I got really high from making love. And it's like, you know, the, the colors are brighter or the walls start to melt or wow, that was just, you know, some like emerged with someone or something. And the question becomes like, 
you know, you've had these mystical experiences through lovemaking. Are you cultivating that? Are you channeling it? Do you know how to work with that to heal yourself or your relationships or, you know, aspects of your life? Um, and this isn't so much a how-to book, but a um, it does share various stories followed by various exercises. So not only are there 20 different stories, there's 20 different sexual shaman exercises so that somebody could look at it like a self-help guided journey if they want to cultivate this mystical power of lovemaking for, you know, the benefit of, you know, their own evolution. Well, what I think is so uh, beautiful about that is that, you know, one of the things you just said is, I'm sure so many of the people listening have had these moments where, you know, they had these massive, uh, yeah, just moments where they're connecting sexually and the walls are melting and the colors are more vivid and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? We do know from our work that a lot of people haven't. And mm. the people who haven't, it's almost like they don't know what they don't know. In other words, they're just having the sex that they normally have. They're not reaching these states and they're not even aware that it's possible. So therefore, they're not even trying to reach these states. And I think a book like this has the potential to open people's minds to the idea that it's actually possible to do something like this. And that's one of the things that we try to get across in our show all the time. We talk about this subject a lot. It's like, think of if you just did this instead of this over here, which you normally do, how much further you could take this. And so I think this book has potential to show that to people. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic because sex can't really be learned in a book. (laughs) (laughs) Practice (laughs) makes perfect. Transmission, it's, you know, it has to involve like the warmth of the skin and the smells and the tastes. But it does, you're right, plant seeds. You know, the book can point in the direction of something that, could be a direct experience. Um, so I, I feel good about not only, you know, um, pointing towards something that can't, that has to be experienced directly, but also true life stories transmit in a way that uh, just academic, you know, how to philosophy or case studies don't like these are pe- real people telling their real stories of like, hey, I was one of them's a, a pastor. I was a religious, you know, preacher, and then I had to lose my religion in order to find God through sex. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the personal stories are what's really um, sort of riveting to people, and we are definitely going to dive into some bits of your personal story. But I have one more question before we do that. And we've sort of somewhat answered it already, but maybe just to make it a little bit clearer. And that's, you know, what was the real inspiration to put this together? We've hinted at it a few times in the discussion already, but like, why why put this in paper and, and put it out there to the world? Yeah, so I was uh, a yoga teacher uh, for maybe 15 years. I was doing a lot of embodied, you know, somatic work with people. And <clears throat> I kept having this experience of through touch, through breath, through movement, uh, I would have like an, like an awakening or a spark or an in- intuition or a hit. And I would share with my um, private clients, you know, Hey, I've got this, this picture, this vision or this, you know, and, and it was, it was amazing to find that my clients were like, 
well, you know, I haven't been able to get an erection. And then after our, our private session, I had this whole different experience around my arousal or inevitably my yoga, non-sexual yoga classes would turn into these sexual coaching classes. And I thought I was like cursed or weird or whatever until I actually read a book. This is 20 years ago. It was called um, Women of the Light. And it was a compilation of true life stories about people who, uh, by Ray Stubbs, if you want to check it out. But this book changed my life, changed the trajectory of my life entirely, put me on the path that you know we're currently on. And so here it is 20 years later, and I was like, if that book could change my life so much, I'd love my peers, friends, lovers to do something very similar. And so I sought out their stories to put it in a book to guide the next generation. That was really a formative book for me. And I feel like this is, um, although not directly, it, it's in a similar limit, lineage, but it, it, it transmits sexual shamanism. And by the way, that book is the first time I heard the word sex shaman is, is in that Ray Stubbs is uh, the person who popularized the term. Mm -hmm. So you're paying it forward to the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to backtrack a little bit now. So I love the vision of that. And some of our listeners um, might have followed the whole show. Asher did. I remember like I was loving watching um, Married and Dating. Um, and so I, I think what I would love to do is to kind of like give us a little bit of a a quick like, hey, what has been happening for you? So there's the show. Here you are. Um, you are the peak of like, it's a big dream. You do, you're doing the show. And this is like huge exposure. Uh, this is coming reality. And then something happens where it's like you go into the darkest time of your life. And you describe part of that in the story that you have in your own book. And um, I'm I'm kind of like curious about like, okay, what happened since people have left, have seen you until like where you are now and in like where you pieced yourself back together? Yeah, thank you. For those who didn't see Polyamory Married and Dating, um, it is about my... Um, not just open marriage, but like a whole constellation of, of lovers who are... Um, you know, long-term deep relationships all with informed consent of each other. And we're, we're doing this redefining family. And, and there was two seasons of it. It was, um, you know, I think really groundbreaking in this new movement of, of alternative relationships. But what happened after the show um, was some, you know, it's like it, everybody knows how devastating breakup or divorce can be. Now imagine having divorce and breakup on like three different friends, three different, you know, beloveds. It's, it was like, um, a double wave hold down. Like you're like crashed underwater. And I really drowned, um, not just in the loss of my relationship with Jennifer tall, Rachel, um, recently separated from, from Roxanne as well, but from not just the breaking up, but the postpartum after the show. And then I had all kinds of health issues. Like I was malnourished and I had neurotoxins and I literally had a nervous breakdown. So yes, that was the dark night of my soul. <laughs> <laughs> and 
um, through the healing of that, Michael and I have done such extraordinary work on our soul connection. So my husband and I not just remarried at a whole different level, um, but an immense amount of work on uh, physical vitality, health, um, like biohacking and uh, getting my uh, well-being in order, but multidimensionally. So also emotionally and spiritually. And so I feel in essence, you know, it's like what's happened since it's like, now I feel like a new species because <laughs> the healing has been so immense and tremendous in the last five years that I look at that old reality show where I look at the, you know, the, the challenges that I had and I think, wow, that was another incarnation entirely. I feel literally uh, like a new human. Yeah. And so, so now we're, we're getting into the story. And one thing I want to just tell the listeners quickly, that if you read the book and you read Kamala Devi's portion of the book, it spans almost her entire life, mm -hmm. right? So as you read it, it really starts with some of the early influences and some of the big moments of her life that kind of took her in the direction. And then it sort of culminates with the show and what happened after the show and then the healing part. So there's, there's way more in there and we couldn't possibly talk about all of that <laughs> in one podcast episode. It's just too much. But one of the things that we thought we would focus on here is that sort of dark night of the soul after the show, and then how you pulled yourself out of that. And so we were just talking about that piece now, and I think it would be super valuable to our audience to hear some of the tools, some of the things that you did, some of the things that you used, whether they were, you know, shamanistic in nature or just flat out psychological tools or health and fitness stuff. Like, how did you pull yourself out of that and get back on track? Yeah, thank you. It's, um, you know, when I feel into the listeners more and more, I am talking to people and it's so common that people hit these midlife crises or these breakdowns or these breakups or, you know, and I, I think it's really a sign of our accelerated times where, uh, you know, we come into a world and, and we're kind of programmed as these personalities and we're given a script of this is how you're supposed to live your life. And then what happens when the standard narrative, when we wake up and we say, whoa, this standard narrative doesn't fit the shape of my heart, is we have to break out of that box. And the breaking out of that box is like a breaking down, dissolving, letting go of concepts, letting go of identity, you know, who we were doesn't serve us anymore. And sometimes that process of waking up is like crumbling to your knees and, and falling on the ground and just being like, I don't know what reality is anymore or how to navigate it. And so I don't at all feel alone, although in those moments, <laughs> you always feel like, oh, my God, I'm going crazy and I'm the only person like this. And um, but what's beautiful is the more I'm having these conversations, I recognize that it's it's almost a symptom of waking up. It's like it has to get messy. It has to break down um, in order for us to reorient around the soul you know, reorient around the true essence of who we are, despite what our parents taught church, state, you know, any other uh, structures have imposed on us. And that reawakening is going to look in some ways really unique 
and in some ways it's uh, universal. So, you know, the absolute medicine for each person's totally different. What's universal that I can say that I went through that I imagine that I'm seeing a lot of people as I'm, I'm, you know, kind of in this position as a healer and a coach and a, and a retreat facilitator. And I'm seeing thousands of people. What I'm seeing that's real similar is that it is multidimensional. So there's the, the physical, you know, and okay, everybody needs, you know, a, a balance of sleep and <clears throat> diet that works for them and exercise that works for their soul, right? Like you can't be doing somebody, you know, whatever society tells you, this is what all that's supposed to look like. No, you actually have to do a fitness and health regimen that aligns with who you are. <laughs> and um, so, so finding the physical um, support and, then also finding, and, and even that's awakening. Sometimes people wake up to like, I've been lied to. The things that I were taught were healthy aren't. <laughs> and, um, and so there's, you know, there's just a deep investigation of what is the truth of your health and your body and what works for your body. Um, and then there's the emotional dynamic. And I think by and large, the most universal thing is that we need to welcome our emotions and we live in a emotionally constricted society that doesn't let people feel and is terrified of, of big things like anger. Oh no. You know, like that's so dangerous to society. And in order to really heal ourselves, we have to feel the whole spectrum and have the safety to feel our rage. Um, and so how, you know, how to do that safely without hurting ourselves and others takes a whole cultivation, you know, whole relearning as well as um, psychological, you know, what are our beliefs? How do we uh, let go of the illusions and delusions? Not only that we've been taught, but maybe that, that we inherited from our ancestors, you know, that, or, or psychically picked up from our neighbors. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it's, it's this process of knowing who we are, deeply getting in touch with the true nature of our, our being, and then, then learning how to be that in the world. And that, that's the breakthrough for myself or for everyone around me. It seems to be the universal path is like really being true to our unique essence. Yeah. So, so basically the journey is going to be unique to everybody and what they need to do in order to go through that journey is going to be unique. And for some people, it may be really getting their physical body and their physical well-being, you know, tuned up and brought up to speed. And others, it may be getting their psychological well-being taken care of or their emotional well-being or some combination of, of all of those. Yeah, it's always a combination of all of them, right? So it's like, we're all physical, we're all emotional, we're all intellectual, we're all spiritual. And what is the combination of what, what, what's needed, what's out of balance, what needs attention? And, um, and that process is, takes immense amounts of self-awareness. And sometimes not just self-awareness, but community reflections, 
you know, because one of the other dimensions is we are tribal beings, we are social animals. And if you're not in a healthy social circle, you that is just as cancerous as having misinformed cells. <laughs> like if you're not surrounded by people who see the true essence of who you are and you keep getting reflected back like distortions of your personality, how the fuck are you going to heal? So <laughs> that's a big important part is changing your circle of friends if, if they're not healthy. And especially as you start to waking up more to your sexuality and, and exploring, um, most of the time, like you said, the story of the with the pastor had to let go of his religion, right? Uh, so there is a whole thing of like weeding off the people who don't support your full expression when it comes to your sexuality and finding other people who can cheer you on and whether you go on, on multiple dates with multiple people, whether you're monogamous, whether you're kinky, whether you anything in between. And I think that's, that's definitely really essential. I was wondering if you had a particular practice because I was imagining this place where it's very difficult for you emotionally, physically. Um, and Michael, your husband is going through a tough time too, to witness you going through these difficult times. And there's a potential for the two of you to really like snap at this point where like, this is what happens for a lot of people when one goes really down the hole like this, sometimes they can't handle it. But knowing you and having witnessed you, we've seen you guys come closer together again. And so I'm curious if you had a particular practice and hey bonus point if it's sexual uh, that you guys <laughs> um, like put in place to help you find each other again mm-hmm. we have a lot of sexual practices <laughs> <laughs> well maybe um, we'll run a little long today <laughs> <laughs> and um and it is i think important to note that sexual energy actually runs through the core of all of those different dimensions I mentioned. Um, So I look at sexual energy as sort of the the master path through, you know, all the, the, the healing and the health and the, um, in fact, you know, if you're trying to make change in your life, like rewire or change your, your exercise habit or change your diet, anyone who's tried to, you know, it's new year's around new year. So we know that change is hard humans are adaptive animals of habit. Um, but sex itself can support us in changing faster than anything else because orgasm will light up the brain and, and rewire us. And then over time, what we're, what we're focused on with our orgasmic energy can actually, uh, create new neuropathways and through neuroplasticity, we can become like new through our orgasmic energy. So from the beginning of this journey, my beloved and I use our sexual energy to um, accelerate our healing. And we do that through practices um, that can be called sex magic. Um, The sex magic, the essential definition is anytime you take your orgasmic energy and you infuse it with your intention, And so our lovemaking is like a prayer. You know, we bring our bodies together and we feel the erotic energy and we, and we will say, I dedicate this, this orgasm, you know, to our growing bond or trust or repairing our attachment or whatever's off between us. And over time that evolves and evolves to, um, to not just healing the individual self or the partnership, but also healing the world. 
So what you're saying is you're really bringing these ugly parts of yourself or the relationship. Because what I'm what I'm seeing a lot of people who come to us, you know, they like they put it under the rugs like, oh, I wouldn't mention that I'm jealous or I can't have an erection or that I'm scared or that this and that. But what you're telling our listeners here is you actually have a practice where you show up and like, this is an area that's not working or this is something that we like going through that's not really fantastic at this time. Let's make love to it, through it, with it and, and transform it. Is that really like the practice here? Yeah. And it's, um, and it's pretty simple and formulaic too. Like one of the ways to frame it. So it's, you know, a lot of times it's like, if you start bringing up all the problems of your marriage before you make love, it's going to be the biggest boner killer. You know? <laughs> you're going to end up making love and you're going to ruin your sex life. So what will formulaically support us in like bringing to light the shadow stuff that runs us and saying, I want to offer this on the altar and bring it to light and let it go and not let it run me, not let it ruin my sex life. Um, and the, the formula is, is that we often will, you know, create a container for our lovemaking. And that container is so simple. You know, it's, it's not, you know, sure, it's great to light candles and to set your setting and all that's beautiful. But the real container is the intentions we bring. And so what we share is, you know, what are our boundaries? You know, it's like it might, the container might be like, hey, I've only got an hour or I've got 20 minutes. Let's have a quickie. You know, like it's like, what's the con- boundaries, not just on time, but it might be, you know, I'm on my period or I'm, I'm needing to, let's, you know, I have a cold sore, so let's not do any oral or whatever the boundaries are. And then the um, fears, And this is where we can say, look, I'm feeling, I'm afraid that I'm going to cry when we make love or I'm feeling like, like I don't feel respected or whatever, you know, whatever the fears are. And we're speaking like, these are fears that I'm speaking so that I can clear them. I can offer them up. I'm not going to engage in them. I'm not going to believe them. I'm just going to name them as the fears that I want to give to, you know, give it to God because it's, it's bigger than I can handle. And it's, it's not my business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we share our fears and then we share our desires, you know, which is like, ooh, and I want to use this lovemaking session in order to see the divine in you or to remember what I, what the qualities that I first fell in love with or, you know, through this lovemaking session, I want to have have experience of maybe fantasy or role play or, you know, whatever the desire is, Um and I bring that. And then what's amazing is after doing our boundaries, fears, and desires, uh, we sometimes, you know, it's just magical come through that has nothing to do with any of that. Like, mm-hmm. like that's just setting the table. And then, <laughs> and then there's a big feast, you know, and the feast will take us into a, in a new territory. Yeah. And uh, I believe, not to confuse our listeners, but I believe you also wrote a whole book on sex magic, right? Like if people are really... <laughs> Interested in going further down there. We also did an episode uh, a while back on that too, for people, if they're interested in that process a little bit more. Great. Um, yeah. I highly recommend um, sacred sexual healing, the shaman method of sex magic. I co-authored that with Baba Des and 
um, it has a step-by-step, like here's how to practice it at the easiest level, as well as the most complex group, you know, ritual ceremony level. (laughs) Awesome. But I think you gave a really good first step right there. I really liked that um, setting the intention in the container and and that was really nicely explained. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have another question too. And I know we're starting to get a little long here, but that's okay. okay. Still juicy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So, you know, the the book is Sex Shamans, and it is a collection of stories from people that do this sort of work. And I know towards the end of your piece in that book, you spoke a little bit about um, how ISTA was important in that journey of yours. And because that's that's where all this teaching on sex shamanism is coming in. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about how ISTA factored into your personal journey and how that helped you through that dark time. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Um, ISTA is the International School of Temple Arts. That's a, a mystery school that I'm, uh, you know, lead faculty on. Um, there's a, a circle of us. There's 13 leads at the at the moment. And we have these teachings in over 40 countries around the world. So it really is a global movement. And what what I mean when I say mystery school <laughs> is that we're connected to uh, esoteric teachings from the earth. So it's not a religion. It's not like um, a, um, you know, a doctrine that comes from, you know, some ancient text. It's more like this living, listening to nature and, um, and the evolution of, of what's coming through, which is why I think it's happening in 40 countries and it keeps growing and is that it really is um, evolutionary and it's, it's, a, it's evolving through the people and through, you know, sexual energy. Anyway, this, this mystery school um, has a, a, a cosmology that is so grounded in the wisdom of the body so a lot of spiritual practices, including my, my yoga training, talk about, hey, we've got to transcend the body in order to realize our divinity. And this is like about descending into our cells, into our body, into you know our senses, and not doing it in a hedonistic way that's like at the expense of our transcendent nature. So it's actually both. Um, and one of the reasons this is so important is this was the path to my breaking through to my awakening and my breaking through. And it's also a path to my deep community. As I mentioned, you know, we can't like, what's the point of getting like sane in an insane world. If, if you go back out and then everyone's reflecting insanity to you (laughs) here, you, you get surrounded by friends and lovers who, are woke <laughs> to the the holiness of our sexual energy. And so this particular school is um, it's, you know, it's my fellowship. It's, it's a, it's family and it's not a, um, it, it's anyone who is resonating with these teachings can find, you know, fellowship and, and community in, um, you know, around the world, actually. So I highly recommend you look at ista.life, you know, to see see what the programs are that we're offering. 
Awesome. So I think I want to end on our new question that not all of our guests are going to have to go through. Oh, well, you're the first one we're asking. You are the first one. This is new on the season. Um, and, And then we can tell all about where, you know, our listeners can find more about you and all of this. But first, I want to know, Kamala Devi, what's your best sexual talent? Ooh, this is a fun question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. Wow, (laughs) this is funny. Um, So so I know that this is an interview for this book, but I wrote another book called 52 Fridays about fantasy. Um, And one of my superpowers is actually... Um, in the realm of fantasy, because that is a whole like dimension. And it's, it's a dimension that, uh, you know, especially as a Tantra teacher who teaches like a lot of times being present with the senses and the here and now people are like, oh, fantasy is escape and it takes you away from here and now. Um, but one of the uh, superpowers that I have around this is, is how fantasy can really enhance the moment and take lovers on journeys. And that I would say is my, you know, one of my great gifts. Um, so maybe we'll do another interview when 52 Fridays comes out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As we said, you have a handful of books. There, there's a lot. So you start with one and keep going down the road because there's a lot of great information out there. So tell us our listeners where they can find more about you. All the links, of course, will be in the description. Um, but yeah, let, let them know about some um, free gifts that you have and uh, yeah, where, where to find you. Sure. Well, from my heart, I'd, I'd love to stay in touch. You know, obviously we're all growing and changing. And one of the ways I do that is by a monthly newsletter and just telling people what's happening in my world and giving you invitations. And so kamaladebbie.com is my website where you can sign up for my newsletter and I will, um, yeah, I'd love to connect with you there. And then the other exciting piece is that this is just out. Um, Sex Shamans on Amazon and or your you know bookstores, your local bookstores. So we have a sexshamans.com, but I recommend you um, yeah, just just get your hands on the book through any and all means and um, and do the exercises in the book too, because it really is designed for your own awakening. Awesome. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Kamala Devi, for coming on the show with us. My pleasure. Thank you both. Mm-hmm. I look forward to next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, we wish you and the book a lot of success. And uh, yeah, if, uh, if you want to come on again and talk about another book or any other crazy sex-related stuff, because we love that, <laughs> you just we let are. us know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode. So we will see you next week. We hope you liked this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoyed this show, leave a comment and share it with your friends. And if you want more, we have an entire digital library with the best sex tips and relationship advice at CelineRemy.com. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y.com. So join us in the sex vault to continue this adventure. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.